Welcome to the episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on August 27th, 2019. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, the bombastic bombshell. The caffeine rage. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we have played. We're going to be going over our August game club, which is Void Bastards. We'll be discussing next month's game club, or revealing it, which is Donut County. We're going to discuss Kerbal Space Program 2. Respawn admits we broke our promise with Apex Legends' current loot box riddled event. Don't expect Yakuza Online in the West due to gotcha mechanics. We'll have our weekly community corner, and if time allows, a Steam Discovery queue. Speaking of time, those timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you? A little tired, a little punch drunk, but meh. I'm definitely tired. I don't think I'm punch drunk. Maybe I am. I don't know. I can't tell. I'm not feeling feisty, so I'm probably not. Oh, so uh, you're, you're over me now? Is that it? <laughs> Only have so much to give. I need a break <laughs> before I can give more. Well, wasn't that last week? Uh, Sort of. I still edit the show. I had to do it twice. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Because sometimes whenever you export an Audacity, you just get weird little things that happen. And usually it's like something randomly gets pitch shifted for reasons I don't understand or something like that. And I just re-render it. It's fine. No problem. So last week, did the Franken show, rendered it all out, went to check it, um, and... For some reason, one of the audio tracks was, like, in there twice. Like, there was talking over each other. Like, two completely separate stories that we were telling. Oh, no, that sounds like us normally. And I'm like, well, this is unusable. Let me just go back and change it. Ah, fuck, I closed it because I'm a dummy. So I had to redo the entire Franken-edit. Which, thankfully, Franken-edits are most of the time even easier than normal edits because it's just like find where the actual show starts on the the Craig recording and then where the post buy stuff starts and ends mm-hmm. um so it's it's pretty quick and easy to grab but had to do it twice made an made an oopsie yeah not gonna be doing that one again I, and i don't i have no idea how it happened <laughs> Well, I meant, you know, not uh, saving before your uh, export. Oh, yeah. And I do that with the regular show. Like, I I create a save. Like, everything, I create a new save for the actual edit of the show together. Just in case, you know, keeps it all separate. But, um... Yeah, before I even start doing my pre-export to uh, send to you. I would do a backup copy, so, you know, if something goes horribly, horribly wrong. When something goes horribly, horribly wrong. Because it inevitably inevitably does. I can't talk tonight. That's like the third or fourth time I have (laughs) fucked up a word I'm saying and just have to restart my sentence. Yeah, I think you might be a little bit more tired than what you realize. No, I realize I'm pretty tired. 
Um, had a, I'm, I'm not going to get into the whole story. Had a very stressful, difficult client interaction today that kind of drained me right around lunchtime and just kind of left me in this like <clears throat> mood for the rest of the, most of the rest of the afternoon. I recovered by, by the end of the day, but it still left me tired. So it's kind of where I'm at with that. Yeah, I just had an early uh, start to my day, and because I had packages incoming, I couldn't take my usual nap in the afternoon, so uh, I'm caffeinated, well, more caffeinated than usual lately <laughs> for, to- for tonight's recording. Not as ca- not as caffeinated as I was last time we did a actual recording, but that does uh, lead into the games we played. Indeed. So I've got three. You've got one. Yeah, I only had one because I focused on trying to suffer through Boyd Bastards a little bit more, and I may be showing my hand a little bit there. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Um. Okay. Uh, do you want to go first? Well, since I had my lead in, uh, unless you really want to have a break in the middle of all your talking. Nah, it's fine. All right, I'll just get the cards of utter boredom for years. Uh, so, I have went back and played Astroneer after the recording of our last live episode. Is that pr- the proper term for that? <laughs> uh, a couple sure. weeks ago. Because, you know, I had just drank like half a pot of coffee, so I was pretty wired still. And I needed something, you know, boring. And Astroneer seemed like a good choice. Well, it wasn't, because I got lost. <laughs> Uh, for those who don't know, Astroneer is a sandbox survival game where you're playing a, well, an astronaut, an astroneer, who has the worst spacesuit in the universe. He is able to survive on life support without any add-ons to his suit for approximately 30 seconds. Okay, that might be a little bit overstating it, but you know, it's a very short window. I, I think I could actually hold my breath longer. <laughs> And if you're near a building or near a tether line that's essentially branching out your life support system or near a vehicle, uh, you're essentially on unlimited oxygen. So that life support system only kicks in whenever you're completely on your own, unsupported. Well, I thought, you know, I'll... Get on and I'll do some random stuff on Astroneer because I've been messing about with it a little bit here and there. Well, the thing about Astroneer is it doesn't have a map. And I didn't even realize I had a compass until I got lost. So I was using landmarks, but I guess at some point I got turned around. And I just kept going further and further away from my base until I realized, uh, thankfully I was in a rover or a rover train. So I had a tractor and then like three or four trailers on me. I actually somehow had more trailers than I was supposed to. But I kept going further and further away until I realized I don't know where the fuck I am. (laughs) And I started looking around trying to figure out, okay, does any of these landmarks look familiar? No, they do not. Well, I then became the Martian (laughs) and started with my rover train trying to get to my destination. (laughs) And I talked nice. to Jim to try to figure out, okay, is there anything I could use? And he mentioned the compass, which I didn't realize there was one in the game. The game has a very light tutorial. And 
to be honest, the best way to play it is just kind of jump in and treat it as essentially a wiki game. Well, I found out about the compass and the, the game world, it's essentially a proceed, well, a, a pre-generated solar system of a handful of planets in each planet. Uh, take this flat where Earthers is round. <laughs> Whoa. And essentially, if you go, oh, and I hit the mic as I went to grab my glass. Uh, if you drive in a straight line long enough, you'll eventually just circumnavigate the planet, but the starting planet takes a couple hours to do so. But also, there's a series of fast travel gateways, all right? And you could use those as landmarks. There's four on the equator or close to the equator, close enough that you're able to see them on the horizon. And uh, they shoot up a little bit of energy so you could use them to uh, find a essentially a waypoint. And I knew that my base was somewhere near that. And I had put down a beacon on my base, which essentially just puts uh, a giant marker up in the sky. But the problem is that that marker is blocked by a line of sight <laughs> and clouds. So, yeah, it's a, I can't admit that's kind of worthless, actually. <laughs> yeah, once you get far enough away, they're not very good. I mean, even uh, just over the horizon where, you know, it's starting to point away from you. I really think that there should have been an upgrade uh, to your suit where you could, you know, get, uh, like, on the compass nearby bu- uh, beacons. Uh, shows up uh, as a as a colored dot, but that, that's beside the point. So I started this multi-hour just exposition slowly. Well, first of all, I realized I had wandered pretty far north, and I was essentially uh, up near the polar ice cap. Okay, well uh, that's uh, easy to solve. Drive south for a bit. Or, essentially, I chose southeast. So, the idea is, hopefully, as I would approach the equator, I would uh, hit one of the gateways, and then I could just go east from there and essentially just circle the planet. Because I had driven for so long, I had no idea, you know, if east or west would be closer, so picked up one at, uh, at random, right? Right. So... I decided, uh, well, I got to one of the gateways, and they start inactive. And the way you activate them is you generate enough electric charge uh, and essentially just plug it in, and it jumpstarts the gateway and uh, activates it. Well, as I had been exploring, I'd been collecting, and I had a hell of a lot of uh, power generation and a lot of power storage with me. Because uh, the entire thing about Astrodeer is building up uh, and going to other planets to get resources to bring back essentially to your main base or to uh, build a secondary base there for refinement. And rare resources are used for certain things. And batteries are one of the bitches because you need lithium for them. And lithium is not readily available early on. I mean, you could jump ahead, but there are certain hazards that you have to watch out for. So, you know, it's probably best to, you know, wait till you're more prepared and to be able to bring more stuff by essentially taking up. 
and I had only not even visited the moon at this point. So, you know, I, I was still pretty uh, rough. So finding batteries on my expedition uh, made it, you know, uh, got to be very careful and want to bring those back. So I started activating gateways along the way on my trek. And eventually I was able to slowly circle the planet I had a real craving for uh, baked potatoes for some reason while I was doing this. Me too, but with, with that's my... just constant in my life at this point. <laughs> yeah, with your diabetes? Yes. Uh, with my little rover train uh, on a Mark Watney-esque adventure, just trying to get back home, and I eventually did. And damn, it felt good to do that. <laughs> Uh, but it's not all roses and sunshine sun for uh, Astroneer because there are some uh, other things I've discovered uh, while playing that piss me the fuck off about it. And it's not just the lack of a map system because, okay, that's game design. That's what they wanted. They wanted the chance for you to get lost and go on an adventure. And I did activate a lot of fast travel on the starter planets and actually got uh, the one at the planetary core activated. Which is supposed to do something later on, I think. Which, that was a fun uh, thing on its own. I essentially, as I replaced the tractor, the the rover I used for my, you know, just long journey. I just made it into a drilling <laughs> rig and I just dug straight down. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so there's like this, you know, pit of doom near my base that's covered up uh, with this giant... Uh, you know, concrete plug essentially. That if you fall down, you're 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 not coming back. <laughs> uh, but I was able to do that as well. So you know, I have a, a fair number of the fast travel nodes activated on the main planet. I just need to go do like one more at the South Pole, which is tempting to do. Is uh, you know, just did his adventure. But the one thing that really gets me is resource management. So. I eventually was able to build a rocket ship, and I won the game. Oh, wait a minute. That's not, uh, that's, uh, Factorio. <laughs> and I went to the moon, uh, and I took another rover with me, and, uh, was able to mine, uh, uh, the stuff, uh, to essentially, uh, well, eventually refine into tungsten. Uh, okay, so I had the small rocket ship. I needed to bring it back to essentially, Refine that down and improve it to be, or, uh, no, to build a another resource uh, generating uh, building to refine materials that's on the starter planet to be able to build the bigger rocket ship. Okay, great. Well, I brought them back and, uh, built the, the new refining, uh, uh, it was the chemistry lab, I believe where it's essentially just combining two different resources into one, and, like, plastic is uh, uh, two uh, things into one thing. Uh, aluminum alloy is uh, putting copper into aluminum to for some reason, uh, because that's what's needed for the rocket ship. But, yeah, it's... The thing that gets me, though, is, okay, a survival game that's all about resource collection and management. All right? Mm-hmm. 
has a problem where resources that are stored just by, you know, digging out little rooms and, you know, throwing them in, the physics will glitch out and they'll fall through the planet. So, thankfully, I had a cavern system underneath my base. So, anything that fell through my resource uh, you know, bin, essentially, because I had, like, all my resource gatherings or refining stuff in one area of my base, and I'll just chuck it over into this giant pile. Well, I noticed, wait a minute, I, I thought I had some more tungsten laying around, so I didn't have to go back to the moon yet. Uh, so, I started looking around, and I noticed... Wait a minute, some of the resources, looks like they're halfway into the ground. And then I realized, oh, yeah, that, that's that's a real killer. And the thing is that resource silos, big storage units, are expensive to build. Very expensive to build. And they require the tungsten. Or one of the big ones requires tungsten. Another one requires iron, which is on a different planet they have to go get and refine. And that's also used in another resource building. So you see my big problem with it is that you you have a rather severe bug about resource stockpiling in a game about resource stockpiling. I've never tried to throw my stuff just in a hole. Well, the idea was eventually to sort it, but the thing is that uh, I got lost and I just didn't feel like doing it. <laughs> and I just had like, there was this perfect crater near uh, my re- uh, my uh, smelters. So I just started chucking in there because I st- uh, things started to pile up. Because I didn't have enough storage. Which I realized, you know, I could go you know, run the soil... Uh, uh, centrifuge to get resin to be able to build more storage, but it's all the little st- tiny storages, and then I'm digging out the mountain to get more dirt, and it's just tedious. And it seems like anything that isn't a building on a platform is subject to this. So there's a lot of people talking about rovers dropping through the ground for no explicit reason. I had, well, uh, another one of my adventures, well, on, on my adventure back, I noticed that there was a rather large solar array that was functional somewhat near my base, so I took uh, my bigger rover out with a winch and drug it back to my base to hook it into the power grid. Well, one time coming back, all of a sudden, I see the solar panel dancing because the physics has glitched out. It's cracking. So, you know, I had to uh, spend like five or ten minutes getting that back into order and then trying to, you know, uh, center it down, which I'm not sure if I ever, you know, I'm not sure if I have it, yeah, you know, properly downed. But yeah, you know, try to build like a, a little bit of a cage around it. So if it starts glitching out again, it'll hit that and hopefully stay somewhat near uh, where it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah, you know, the fiddly things like that. And also, yeah, you know, the camera is a bit off at times, which is irritating whenever you're trying to uh, mount something that's above you or trying to target something above you. It's like an over-the-shoulder camera that doesn't want to look up. It's like always focused on your character. So you're trying to like pull the camera down into the ground and it doesn't want to go beyond a certain point. You know, there's just a lot of little bugbears. I don't think it's a bad game. I do think it's just better with an uh, someone that's of the same skill level as you. 
I think if you're playing it with somebody that's uh, a lot more advanced in knowledge, you know, you're going to run into a factorial problem where, you know, uh, it basically becomes one person bossing the other person around. And that's not very fun. So, yeah. I think Astroneer helps a little bit with that, too, because ex- exploration is still a pretty decent part of the game. Yeah, true. You could send someone off. Uh, okay, go go find some resource uh, stuff. or uh, Get off my planet. <laughs> get off my lawn. Get off my landing pad. I should really go back and play Astroneer. It's been over a year since I played... Yeah, it's just uh, uh, you know, it's just a lot of little fiddly things that uh, really drive me nuts. But the resource one is uh, when I figured out what was happening, and I'm trying to rush to get silos because I didn't research the silos, and because I went on my misadventure, I didn't have the uh, research running because you know I wasn't near the base, obviously. But I did uh, work out a system where. I essentially put down secondary beacons on the cardinal directions. That's within the uh, uh, sight range of the home beacon to essentially just extend it out with a different color. So you know I'm less likely to get lost, or, mm-hmm. or I'm also more likely to be able to find myself uh, uh, back home because I have a bigger target. But yeah, that that's just irritating. So, I don't think it's a bad game, like I said. It's just, uh, there's a lot, it's, maybe it's uh, like Kerbal, where uh, for people that really wanted a game like this, because it is a pretty unique game, they're either able to deal with the bugs, but for me, this, you know, isn't quite there. I mean, I think I'll be, you know, one of those games that I'll fire up and goof around with uh, for a bit. Like, I'm... pretty much set to go to the second plan that you're pretty much supposed to in the order of things to get iron. And also, you know, want to go down uh, get that southern gateway to have essentially the entire uh, planet unlocked. But it's not going to be a, oh, i got to play this today. It's, eh, I feel like playing something. Oh, Astroneer. That makes any sense. Yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. I could uh, go show you my base sometime. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to drop in. I've never gotten off of the main planet. Um, you know, I think I talked about this before. But whenever I, the well, last I, time I, I played... I do have a secondary rocket now. Because I built the big, I had I built the medium-sized rocket. So you take the small one up. Woo-hoo. The last time I played, I was with Jim. And I think it was uh, Spaceman. And we got a rocket built, and we were fueling it, and then we didn't play anymore. Yeah, I have uh, two rockets now, and the thing is... Actually, I'm not sure if it's still active. Uh, they had a event for the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, where you go to the moon, and you find the lunar uh, lander there. You get a special oh, cool. uh, suit. So I was able to do that. Let's see, is it still active? Uh, I'm just trying to find a date on this now. Still looking, hang on. Uh, Start uh, till August 31st, so I'm going to have to get you on uh, my game and uh, get you that. Because it is a cosmetic suit. 
Yeah, maybe this weekend or maybe Friday, depending on how we feel after Vrooms. I mean, it pretty much has to be Friday because uh, Sunday is the first. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Uh, I guess that means I need to build up the, the moon base. Hey, I got a mission now, so, yo, I get to go play Astroneer. <laughs> Yay! I mean, I, I think that's the thing, is that it's a more freeform, uh, set your own goals, you know, much like how Kerbal was. But I'm not as much of a fan of the sandbox survival aspect of it. Which, you know, is a bit of a bugbear, huh? Yeah. And also, I don't think there's any modding for it. Actually, I didn't really check that. Uh, and there's also little fiddly things like... Uh, you have to mess around with uh, modules to be able to get them to work right. Uh, they, uh, Especially on the digging tool. If you have them essentially in the wrong order that the game doesn't like it uh won't work uh, properly let's see it looks like mod db has a uh, page for astroneer but it has no mods for it hmm. yeah it looks so like there's no mods uh, for astroneer outside of a, a couple maps so yeah uh, that's astroneer and my odyssey <laughs> Or would it be the Iliad? Yes. Odyssey's one is coming home, right? It's been a while. Uh, I read them in high school? English? One of my high school English classes? Um, but yes. I shall now discuss my games. So I got three games this week. I originally had four, but one of them was kind of a shitty filler mobile game that I only had... Well, we were going to record last week, so I could have two games to talk about. Um, so that one's gone. Um, but the first game I've got on my list is called B A Walker. It's B E A dash or B E dash A Walker. Um, and this is a mech game. Um, have you seen Avatar? James Cameron's Avatar. If the answer to that question is yes then you basically know the story to this game um, with one, like, sort of tiny twist on the story. Like, you as the player get to choose whether or not you want to side with the native aliens or uh, stick with your original, like, military, Earth military dudes. Uh, In case you have... Can I take a guess on what one's the bad ending? (laughs) Um, I don't know because I haven't finished the game yet, but I bet you're probably right. Yeah, it's signed um, the aliens, of course. Uh, in in case you haven't seen James Cameron's Avatar, um, uh, it's you dances are, with wolves. It's dances with wolves, but blue aliens that fuck each other with their hair. Uh, don't, uh, don't forget, they fuck everything with their hair. That's very true. Um, but no, so you're uh, on a colony on a planet called El Dorado, and there's some shit on Earth and some like cool resources here. So, humanity lands a colony here, um, and start to mine out all the resources. The alien natives don't like that, and because they are larger than humans, and also have, like, special metal that their spears and arrows are made out of, question mark? Yeah, yeah. 
they uh, are able to damage and destroy the super ultra advanced human technology. Um, but the only the only human machine that is able to withstand any amount of a barrage from the aliens or from the natives is the walker, the bipedal enhanced assault walker, which is what the BEA stands for uh, in be a walker. Um, but the game, the most interesting thing, it's a very simple game to play. You move left and right and you shoot three weapons with left click, click, right click, and space bar, and then use your mouse to aim. Where the game gets complicated is that it uses sort of um, a, a more refined, less stupid version of Quop. You use A and D to lean your mech forwards and backwards, and then you use W to operate the left leg, and S to operate the right leg. And so you have to walk, you know, W S W S actually walking your, your mech forwards or backwards, depending on which direction you pitch it. And then you can also use the pitching to help with aiming certain weapons or to dodge certain things, um, certain attacks that the aliens can throw at you. And then sometimes they will like jump on your Walker and you have to like shake the cockpit by, you know, leaning, pitching forwards and backwards rapidly or like kicking one of the legs or something like that. Um, and that right there, makes the game really interesting, really unique, really difficult. Especially in the beginning when you're just trying to like manage in your brain, like, okay, this walks, walk, walk, shoot, walk, shoot. And you can walk slower or faster. You can do some neat things with it. Like the aliens, if they get too close to you where that your guns can't uh, swivel down enough, you can kind of kick them to knock them backwards and somehow kicking even, even an oversized alien humanoid creature like kicking them with a big walker doesn't kill them um but it pushes them back so you can shoot them um you can also step on them stepping is the most powerful weapon that you have and they squish with a very audible crunch and blood goes everywhere and usually there are screams um and you can uh some of them have throwing weapons uh and they throw them at the legs and so like if you're able to notice one you can pick one of the legs up and the weapon will miss the enemies are kind of divided into into two lanes, one for each one of your legs, and certain weapons will alternate between which lane they attack, which can be a little annoying, but most of the weapons have some kind of area effect, or they just kind of shoot wherever you're pointing the mouse cursor. Um, you know, different weapons do different things. There's like a, there's a laser-based weapon, and there's like pulse lasers. You can get like a continuous beam laser. There are uh, projectile weapons. You get a machine gun, a couple of different cannons, like a shotgun thing. And then you've got a, a special weapon slot, which is missiles or rockets. There's like a tear gas type thing that sort of stuns them for a little bit. Um, there's some special equipment you can get for particular missions. And then occasionally that slot is taken up for you to transport cargo for a mission. Um, but most of the game breaks down into that um going between point to point for your missions uh killing aliens and uh, potentially defending humans um the story has got a uh limited choice campaign so you have like a mission select screen at the start of well let me back up a second so there there's a map you can't really choose where you go on the map um, the map, I think, is just there to give you like a visual representation of roughly where you are on the planet because each of the facilities that you go to have labels and things on them that you can see on the map. 
But uh, that's the start and the end points for each of the missions that you do. One base, and you walk to the next base, and sort of the mission happens in that that space. Um, and you'll be given three or four missions to select, and I don't think they're random, um, and they don't seem to be like you know regenerate. Like they're just four missions that three or four missions that you can do that each sort of play out a particular part of the story. And there's a few sort of main characters you get introduced to along the way. There's like an alien rival that you meet in the very opening of the game, and like he kills it as the character, like he kills your brother, and this is why you're out there to get revenge. Um, and so you kind of meet him in like the, the tutorial mission. Um, and then it, occasionally it gives you a choice of like a critical mission path to follow. And I think these are the things that lead you along the way towards whether or not you're going to side with the humans or the aliens. And I think there might be a third faction, like a rebel, a human rebel faction, um, that you can choose. Um, but I'm not sure yet. Cause there's sort of three main human characters, there's like this guy who's your mentor. There's a a, a general, like a hard ass general, and then there's like a scientist lady. Ooh, does the hard ass scientist... general have scars across his face? <laughs> Wouldn't you know it? He does have scars across oh, his face. Called it. Um. So these are the only three characters that have voice actors for for their lines. Anything else that you see for a mission is just like uh, text that you read. Um, but they, you know, they, they tell you the story and teach you about what's going on in the world and the aliens and, you know, all that jazz. Um, the game is super fucking difficult, though. So it's, it, you, as you go along, um, you are, I, I don't understand this. Like, you're supposed to be in the military. Why do I need to buy upgrades for my mech? Um, uh, budget cuts. Uh, they're funding the wall. I guess. <laughs> I guess that would make sense though in this context. Um, but you start out with a super basic mech. Like it does the thing in the tutorial where you get a mech with like really powerful weapons. Oh, um, abilities. <laughs> abilities, yes. Well, you haven't and heard that the, term? No, yes, I have heard that term, but I haven't. I've read it, I've never heard it said. So hearing it said is, is funny. Um, but anyway, so then you get a, a mech with just like a starter basic laser. I nearly quit the game on the first level because the starter mech, it's only got like this plasma pulse or this pulse laser cannon that alternates which lane it fires into. So you're not always guaranteed to hit. It overheats after four shots, like four continuous shots, and then it's got like a 15 second cooldown. So for the first level, mostly you're stepping on enemies, which takes a long time as your primary weapon to squish them. And because it's an alien planet, obviously the atmosphere is unbreathable. So you have an oxygen limit. And then your mech has health. It's got, you know, an armor rating that wears down as you take damage. And I never got destroyed on the first level. Um, but I ran out of air constantly. Because in, in the first level, and I'm not sure how many missions this applies to, but for the first mission, you can't advance until you kill all of the, the natives. So, I mean, you can continuously walk forward, but it doesn't trigger the next wave or the next part of the mission. So you have to kill everything. And I nearly gave up. It. I spent 20, nearly 20 minutes on this first level. And uh, finally, I was like, one more go. Like, I've learned, like, a lot of little tricks, like how to boot enemies away from me to shoot them. 
and to pay attention to which cannon is firing, so I shoot the right lane, and finally, I beat it. It took me 20-something minutes to beat the first level. Um, that was super fucking frustrating. But then it unlocks, like, it gives you, like, a whole bunch of cash, and it's like, great, upgrade your mech. And so then, like, the first thing I did was, like, oxygen, fucking give me oxygen (laughs) capacity, like, tanks and filters and shit so I don't die. And then, like, I upgraded the armor. Or maybe I bought a gun. It gives you a bunch of upgrades right off the bat, and, you know, as you go along, you get new, better ones and more variety on your weapons and stuff. But think about a cannon and, like, a bunch of air, and then, like, armor, extra armor. And then every other mission, except for one, had been... I won't say a breeze. Some of them were pretty difficult, and my mech came back several times, like, on fire and, like, limping. But, um, you know, I, I didn't have the same trouble that I'd had with that first mission. The only other mission I had difficulty with was one the first mission where I had to transport cargo, and you're walking through an area that's just all humans, and if you squish a human, you lose, and you have to restart the mission. And, of course, it's like the the lady pops up and she's like, be careful where you're walking. These guys are so exhausted. They wouldn't notice Godzilla coming. I'm like, bitch, I'm in like a 40 ton mech. What are you talking about? They won't notice me coming. So you, and you can't kick the humans. They're very fragile. So if you kick them, they splat. So you have to like very carefully walk through the crowd. Uh, um, Now I'm just imagining a 40 ton mech tiptoeing. That's basically what it's like. Because like, I, I kept doing this little thing where I would like nudge the leg forward. Because they'll like walk into you, and then they turn around and they'll walk the other direction. So I would like nudge the leg forward until I got a whole group of, of people like walking in the same direction. And then I'd let them walk a little bit so I could take a big step. And then you know when they would turn around, I would like lift up the leg. And so it's like standing on one leg. And I'm like, come on, guys. Everyone walk through so I can put the leg down and then keep going. It was kind of like... Thinking about it, it's really silly, but it was super frustrating to try and do the first time because I'm not I'm used to stepping on everything underneath me, not avoiding it. So that was uh, interesting. But overall, it's a really enjoyable game. I expect I'm going to come back to it and finish it. I have no idea how far along I am in the campaign. Um, the uh, has the wall tree been uh, destroyed yet? Not yet. Not yet. Uh, obviously, I'm going to side with the humans. Fuck the natives. Uh, humanity first. Hashtag humanity first. I played the Avatar movie tie-in game on Xbox 360. And, like, that was basically the choice you had to make on the game. Like, it introduced you to all the mechanics. And it's like, okay, do you want to be team human or team blue alien hair fuckers? And I'm like, definitely team human. Give me that tank, please. Uh, and proceeded to kill natives for, like, 12 hours. It was great. And here that was I thought pretty decent... it would be uh, the Smurfs. <laughs> that was actually a pretty decent movie tie-in game. Maybe at some point we should make that a general topic. Like, what movie tie-in games are actually pretty good? Uh, that aren't uh, the uh, Aladdin, Lion King, <laughs> Sega Genesis. Yeah. I mean, we haven't but, had um, a proper general topic in quite a while. Yeah, maybe next time we have a slow news week, especially if we aren't like kind of playing catch-up. We could uh, we could do that, but anyways, it's it's a good game. It it doesn't even have a planned release date. Like I have got this, I assume extremely early because all it says is planned release date coming soon. Um, I don't know what the price is supposed to be. Um, you know, I think that this game would be worth like a good solid ten fifteen bucks. Uh, I don't like I said I don't know exactly how long it is, 
But the game mechanics certainly haven't worn themselves out after a few hours. And if the game's got probably a, you know, eight to ten hour story campaign, I feel like that's worth a good 15 bucks or so. But definitely, like, for almost like the gimmick alone, like, if you ever see it on sale for a few bucks, definitely worth a pickup for that. Runs really well, super stable, solid 60 on my ancient garbage laptop, so should run on a potato. Good game. Uh, next on my list, Offworld Trading Company. We played this for Community Game Night uh, yesterday, and I came into this game 100% completely blind. I had never played it before. I was aware of it. I remember a very old WTF is about it, where I believe that's the first time I heard about it. Um, this was suggested by Kyle to play. So I was expecting it to be something with like a two-hour-ish multiplayer game length, and you you know you build a company and you buy out the other players. But it's much faster paced than that. We played for about ninety minutes. Uh, we get started a little bit late, and during that time, we played four games, um, start to finish. There were a couple that were a little longer, a couple that were a little shorter. But I mean that you know that leaves you an average play time of about twenty minutes per game, um, and I I personally I picked it up really quickly. The game has got fairly easy to understand rules and mechanics. Um, you are colonizing Mars, and you are you're with a company like you're starting a company on Mars, and in the multiplayer mode I, I haven't touched a single player, so I'll probably play this some in single player. Maybe talk about that next week, but in the multiplayer mode. Um, you and the other players you're playing against are trying to, to create the most successful company, essentially, and you win the game by buying out all of the other players' companies. Um, so you start off, you place basically just a, a, a main base or like a hub, um, and there's different factions. I have no idea what any of the factions are. Uh, they just each have different things. I kept picking a faction that let me use silicon, uh, silicon instead of steel, to build things, um, which really helped me out in the last game that we played, because there was no steel on the market. I'm not 100% sure how this works. I think the market is primarily controlled by what the players do. So you're, you know, you build and collect various resources, um, and you can use those resources to buy like upgraded buildings and to upgrade your own command center and things like that. But also, you have to have money. You have to get your company out of debt and you know buy the other companies. So you sell the resources primarily for money. And the resources that you sell on the market, um, the Martian market, change the prices of things. And so you can choose to auto-sell or you can sell buy and sell things in chunks, um, You know, depending on how you want to handle different things. And in the final game, nobody was selling steel. So the steel market was insane to buy, like, the prices were insane to buy steel, but I could use silicon instead of steel to build things, so in that last game, I got, got an early lead, um, and they were never able to come back, but, I mean, within four games, I had picked it up, and I won the last game, like, I got fucked in the first two, I had no idea what I was doing, so the entire first game, I'm just, like, reading tooltips, and it's like, okay, I can do this, and this does that, and this thing lets me do that, and they were like, uh, did you know that you could upgrade your base? And I'm like, yep, I just discovered that. I don't know how yet. I'm working on it. Sorry, I had to cough. Um, but then in the second game, I was like, okay, I think I get how this works pretty basically. 
Um, and it's, you know, you just have to take in more money than you build debt. And then once you get your de- debt paid off, you have to buy out all the other companies. I made a couple of very big mistakes that resulted in my company stock very quickly, the price tanking to like a dollar per share. I got bought out very quickly in that game and then just spectated for the rest of it. But in the third game, I'd kind of figured it out. They gave me a couple of little hints about like, maybe you should wait on this thing or that thing or pay better attention to what resources you actually need to upgrade your command center and things like that. And, uh, you know, the third game I was in it for a long time, I still didn't win. Uh, I was the first one to get bought out, but I was competitive for much longer in the game. And then by the fourth one, I won. It's got a couple of, of interesting things. So there's a black market that lets you purchase various sort of abilities to use. Um, there's a, a basic one that lets you buy a new tile to uh, build some sort of resource on. Um, there's one that lets you get pirates to like harass the other player and that disrupts like their pricing and things. There's an EMP that you can utilize to knock out a, a, a huge area of stuff that one of the other players has. There's, it's called like, I think a riot or something like that. Um, basically you, for a short amount of time, you are mutiny. It's called mutiny for a short amount of time. You take over a resource tile that another player has. Um, there's goons or goon squad and they can either sabotage other players or protect your stuff. Um, there's auctions that pop up where that you can get like extra random tiles or research or special buildings. There's a bunch of stuff that I really didn't get into. You can get hackers that can hack like the market economy uh, to make things either more expensive or cheaper, depending on whether or not you want to buy or sell. Um, there's like patents. You can get research patents. Um, and upgrade things that I didn't even get into. You can get a um, a rocket launch facility where you can send resources off-world, which is worth, like, shitloads of money. That's how Kyle won. I think it was Cube won one, Kyle won two, and then I won one. And one of the ones that Kyle won, that's how he did it. He had, like, two launch facilities, and he was just constantly sending stuff out into space and racking in shitloads of money. But, I mean, it's a really fun game. I don't feel like I'm doing it justice because I've played it for, like, 90 minutes. Um, but I had a blast. And then, like I said, it was super easy to pick up and play for me. I think if you have experience with this type of game, any sort of management game or anything like that, you can probably pick it up pick it up pretty easy. Um, the, apparently, the multiplayer is free. I didn't realize this because I have the base game. There's a bunch of DLC and expansions for it. Um, but I had the base game already. But then when I went to pull the link to put it in the show notes, it said, Off-World Trading Company, free multiplayer. So um, potentially, you know, we try this again in the future um, and get some more people in. I don't know how many people can play multiplayer at a time. It looked like four, but I don't know if there's, like, maps, different map sizes you can pick or anything like that. I should probably look into that between this time and next time just so I can have an answer to that question. Uh, the free edition, it looks like it only lets you join games. You can't actually host a game, but myself, Kyle, and Cube all have like the full version of the game, and I don't know who else has it. Do you have the full version? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. Um, so, I don't, I don't have any of the expansions, but there's multiple 
like Mars maps that correspond to regions that are, I think, in the single player game. So there was a good variety. I don't think we got the same map twice. Um, each of them seemed to have unique features and like sort of a colony that the map is centered around. And I don't think we got the same colony twice. So good game. Really good game. Um, had a lot of fun with it. Um, and then the third and final game that I have this week is Gears Pop, which is the Gears of War um, Funko Pop uh, Clash Royale game. It's a, a lane-based shooter thing, MOBA thing. I don't know. It's it's Clash Royale, but with Gears of War. Um, and it's it basically plays exactly the same. You've got two turrets, and you, your, your person, um, and if you... The rounds go for three minutes. You need to destroy more turrets than the other person. And if you happen to actually kill their person, then you just win outright. There's a sudden death timer if the score is tied when you get to the end of the three minutes. And if the sudden death timer runs out, it's a draw. This one's obviously Gears of War themed. Um, and it's got Funko Pop versions of all kinds of stuff from Gears of War. Um I like it. I, I've always liked this type of game. I think it's great. You know, a great little sort of time sink. Uh, you know, if I need to wait 10 or 15 minutes, play a couple of rounds of it. If I'm taking a poo, don't want to read the news or something, you know, play a round or two of it. Um, I like Gears of War. Uh, I've, I played every Gears game up until Gears 4, so I'm familiar with most of the stuff that's in the game. Um, it's got some pretty shitty things in it. You, you know, your loot boxes, it's got the four, like you can have four at a time. They're all on countdown timers and the higher tier of chests you get, the longer it takes to count down. Yeah. That's so killed so many from, games for me. So it's anywhere between like four and 12 hours for a chest to open, depending on what tier it is. And of course you can spend the premium currency to open them right away. Um, but, and then it does have, um, a win streak chest to give you a little bit of incentive to keep playing if you've got all of your regular chest slots filled. Uh, but you can still only get a win streak every four hours. Um, and it, it goes up to five. So if you win five games in a row, then the chest opens. And then otherwise, you just go until you lose. And then once you lose, you can you open the, the loot chest, the loot box. And then the timer starts counting down before you can get the next chest. Um, it's got a horde mode, which I haven't checked out. Um, you have to be in a clan or whatever to use the horde mode. You can only do it with clan members, which I think is stupid because I didn't know that until I'd af I until after I'd created a clan and I had to spend like all of the money that I had or like all the premium, like the free premium currency it gave you or whatever to start the clan. And it's, it's VGLP. Um, you have to ask to join, but I mean, if you're like, Hey, I want to play, then I will let you join if you want to, and only then we if can you're try cool. out some of the stuff. Oh yeah. Only if you're cool. Um, so I don't know exactly how the horror mode works. Haven't, haven't touched it. It's got a practice mode, which you can play against AI. And then it's got like a, uh, a training mode where you can get a bunch of starting like cards because obviously this uses, card mechanics and you build their level up as you collect them from the loot boxes along with the currency occasionally you buy some in a shop or can get uh, like a special card as a, a bonus for completing an achievement 
But speaking of achievements, that's one of the things that sets this apart. So if you have an Xbox Live account or a Microsoft account that you've got tied to your PC or whatever, you can sign in with that, and then you can earn achievements on the game that count towards your gamer score, and you get a little icon next to your name, which I think that's pretty cool because Xbox where with Microsoft rewards achievements that you earn count towards your rewards points that you can get. Um, it, it's not like every achievement gives you rewards points, but it's things like earn X number of achievements per week and you get a reward point bonus to your Microsoft rewards, which you can use to get things like Amazon gift cards or um, PC game pass time and things like that. So I thought that was pretty neat. I like that. Plus for a long time, I was a big gamer score whore. And loved having like a higher gamer score than my friends. And I have to say it feels pretty good to be watching that number go up again. You know, I get it's 100% psychological. No argument on that. But it still makes me feel pretty good. So I like that. The other thing is that it's Gears of War. So it's a cover-based shooter. So in the lanes, there are pieces of cover that you have to capture. And as you capture um, each piece of cover or each zone on in each lane... Um, the area in which you can drop your guys in increases all the way up until basically the the doorstep of the other guys. Uh, I think in Clash Royale, this only happens whenever you destroy a, a turret and then you, the zone moves up. But uh, yeah, that's been it that way in all the uh, uh, ones I've played of that genre, like Minion Masters. If you destroy the turret, and this one, it, it's it's the cover. So you've got. Um, there's basically two types of troopers. There's ones that will use the cover and can capture it, and there's ones that ignore the cover and march up the battlefield and attacking are specific types of enemies. They are dumb. Um, but whenever your unit is behind cover, it gets a defensive bonus uh, from against enemies taking shots at it. So that makes units that utilize cover, um, you know, they have different different ways you can utilize them. So if you, you know, if they've got enemy troops coming in, you pop somebody behind the cover and if the cover's captured, they will stick on it for just a second before they move forward. But if they engage enemies, they'll automatically stay in cover for longer to maximize that defensive bonus. So even if you've got area captured and they're just marching troops straight down the middle, it might be beneficial for you to drop somebody behind the cover because then they'll get the defensive bonus. So I tend to play a, a deck that's heavy in characters that capture and utilize cover uh and most of the other players i've played against don't seem to do that there's been a couple who have that i've seen but is most there of some them don't bonus to ignoring the cover or um there's not a bonus but the some of the more i would say powerful units don't utilize the cover but that makes them cost more so you've got a, a lot of units that use uh, either area of effect attacks or are sort of big tank or dps guys will ignore the cover and just sort of march straight down the Almost middle. And you have to... Well, let's see. If the normal guys are refrigerators, then the big guys are chest freezers. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Um, so you have to sort of build your strategy around. Like, for example, one of the non-cover characters that I use is like um, a rush character. So I'll capture as far up as I can, and then I'll drop her, and she'll rush up to, like, she only attacks turrets. So she'll rush up to the enemy turret on whichever lane that she's in and start attacking it. So I get her as much time attacking it as, as I can. But there's other characters that are, like, big and tanky, and you can use them to, you know, draw fire. Um, 
like there's one that's called the butcher and the butcher draws aggro from everybody and he's very slow and he only uses melee attacks but he's got a shitload of health so you can drop the butcher down and he's just going to march forward and every enemy is going to stop and shoot at him because he draws aggro and so you you know you can use that to your advantage to protect other characters or buy yourself some time to like run up and capture some cover so you know there there are definite advantages to not using the cover system like that you know there's some advantages to it but there there's disadvantages as well if you're not capturing cover if you give all of the cover zones to the other player then they can basically just continually drop troops on your on your doorstep so you can't really ignore it if you do you're going to get fucked but most people tend to play a deck that's pretty low in capture points and i play a deck that's really high so i tend to have really good field control and having good field control definitely helps to protect your turrets and your your person which you can customize it's a funko pop you male or female a bunch of different colors hairstyles a few different clothing options no i mean they're all really cute so i i like it it's not like a great game or anything like that but as far as this type of mobile game goes you know it because it's a, a franchise that i'm interested in and know a bit about i get that little boost from it which helps me kind of keep coming back to play it but you know it doesn't really have enough like i talked about the cover system for a few minutes but it doesn't really have enough to differentiate itself from other games in this genre to be like yeah you should totally pick this one on gameplay merits alone like if you're interested in the gear gears franchise or funko pop or both you know there's that little bit of extra draw for you or maybe if you are a big uh, xbox player and you want some you know, some extra gamer score, there's that draw to it. But otherwise, you know, it's not bad, but it's not, you know, stand out good either. So I've enjoyed my time with it, but I would have enjoyed that time playing any of the other Clash Royale type games that are out there, I think. So, eh, that's, that's my rating for this one. Eh, out of 10. (laughs) I uh, uh, got your lazy egg on, huh? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. <laughs> but that does bring us to the end of games that we played. Hey, look at that. It's taking over to Ryan an hour. <laughs> Indeed. So, do you need a break or are we good to go on to game? I think I'm okay. Are you okay? okay? I am okay. I'll probably need a break after Game Club. But We're all fine here. Uh, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, for listeners who don't know, perhaps this is your first time listening to a Game Club, or you just, for some reason, have been living under a rock or not paying attention to our previous 160-whatever other episodes, uh, Rage and I typically have very different tastes in video games, and Game Club gives us a chance to come together, play the same game at the same time, and potentially include the audience in the fun, depending on whether or not they get interested in the game as well. Then we all come together and we talk about it. Yeah, there seems the to be month. no interest for this one. <laughs> well. Can't blame them. I, no. So for August, we played a game by the name of Void Bastards. Uh, we did this both because we thought it was looked neat and is on the PC Game Pass service uh the xbox pc game pass service yeah that's going to inject a little bit more uh recent games i think into the uh, game club yeah um 
But uh, so so we both played it. We both checked it out. It definitely did not meet either of our expectations. I think it fell further down on yours than it did mine. But I had my own separate issues that you didn't experience um, that I think have more to do with the PC Game Plus application or my specific hardware configuration than the game itself. Yeah, you um, had errors. Where? Yeah, where where do you want to start? Do you want to start with that? Yeah, go ahead and start about your woes. Yeah, go ahead and uh, discuss your woes. You know, get it out. You know, have a cl- uh, have a cleanse. So my intent was to play this game for somewhere between ten and fifteen hours. I felt like that would be a good amount of time to play it, really get into it. You know, play through a run um, because it's a roguelite, roguelike whatever game. Roguelite. Um, roguelite. That draws a lot of inspiration from things like FTL, uh, well, a bunch of different games and genres. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, I only got to play it for somewhere around three hours. There's no, like, game time counter in the Game Pass app. Uh, but I kept having this issue. So I downloaded the game, no problem, had it installed, played it for a few hours, no problem, left, was going to come back and play it again later. When I went to launch it, it just said error. And, you know, an er- an unexpected error has occurred. And it gave me an error code. And when I Googled the error code, it was very unhelpful. It was kind of a general error code that applied to things going all the way back to Windows 7. Um, and many different Windows uh, programs and applications. So no real help there. I ran into this a couple of times with other games on the service. And what I've done in the past is just uninstall, reinstall, fixes the problem uninstalled the game game will not reinstall i get the same error get the exact same error code so no help there uh restart the app a couple of times restart my pc finally stuff's downloading okay cool so downloaded it um left did some stuff come back to play it later went to went to launch the game same error code um and i tried this again a couple of times and the last time I uninstalled it to try reinstalling it, it just gave me the error code. And I said, you know what? Fuck it. Three hours is enough. <laughs> that was on Sunday. So I started playing this game last week sometime. Um, Thursday, maybe? Wednesday or Thursday? It was definitely Thursday, thinking about how my last week went. So yeah, it was definitely Thursday. Um and I played it some Thursday and some on Friday and then Saturday fought with it off and on all day and then Sunday just gave up. So that was my issue. Uh, and there are certain games which I don't have that problem with at all. And like I said, I've had a couple of games that have given me that error. I just uninstall them and reinstall them and they work fine. So I don't know what's up with Void Bastards. But you didn't encounter this issue at all. Yeah, I haven't had any think- errors with Game Pass at all outside of it's just a little sluggish on startup. But once it, like, yeah. initializes, it's fine. So I think there's some kind of specific hardware configuration issue that it doesn't like about my PC. Or something somewhere is corrupted. And I'm not going to go dig through registry files or mess with you know, the the Windows update and, you know, rollback things and yes. try to reinstall updates and stuff like that. Like, it's just not affecting enough. And I'm lazy. You all know I'm lazy. So if I don't have to do it, I'm not going to. So there. Oh, uh, what, you're spinning your chair again? Yeah. 
I did. So, I made a face, too. Well, glad this isn't a visual podcast. <laughs> Look at that. Look at it. So cool. But, anyways. So, in general, though, we both were a little bit let down by this. Yeah. I, or maybe a lot of bit let down. Yeah, I think for me, it's the fact that it's trying to be a lot of different genres all at once, and it none of the parts seem to really do all that well. This is the same problem I really had with Moonlighter. Only they threw more <laughs> genres into it. So, roguelite, shooter, horror, survival, uh, and stealth uh, is what I would call it. And it's not really good at any of those. <laughs> I never really felt a need to be stealthy. That's probably the not good at stealth. Well, um, uh, well, the first few ships I came into, uh, this is uh, probably what kind of started the downward trend to me, is the first couple of ships uh, in the, well, uh, I guess I should explain how the uh, overworld map uh, or over nebula map works, is that you are uh, uh, being sent out by this AI from the base ship to uh, restart the FTL drive after it's been damaged by pirates. So you are going out into this nebula and you have to recover different parts and uh, explore the nebula and uh, go from ship to ship. And you say that's uh, FTL-like and outside of just yeah, looking down on the ship uh, at, on the map screen, I didn't really feel FTL at all. Well, I was thinking uh, about the, this sort of the, the overworld the, map. Yeah, yeah, but that's uh, a very loose thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, but uh, the first couple ships I went to, which are usually pretty small, I had the big bad guys, uh, the uh, not unkillables, just roaming around the hallways. Which, you know, kind of killed the flow of the game. Or at least for my save file, because it's a modern roguelite where in between runs, or in between lives in this case, there's a progression system where essentially everything except for uh, the stuff that you accumulated on that particular ship is carried over. So, essentially, you could just yeah throw yourself at an enemy or at a the first few vessels on the map and slowly grind your way up, but it felt probably more like a grind because the sessions are so short. Like I said, most of the ships are pretty small. And I also started to see a lot of repetition, not in the sh actual ship layout, but it felt like there were too few parts put together for the different ships. Like, the bridge is always the same bridge. Maybe there's a turret in there, maybe there's not, and that's about it. Uh, there's always the same engine room, or the same, like, one or two variants of engine rooms. Maybe it gets better later on, but it just started to feel very repetitious very quickly, which I realize calling a, a roguelite repetitious is like calling the sky blue. But it's all in just how quickly 
it becomes repetitious. And this got there very quickly just because there felt like there were too few parts to put together. Yeah, I agree with that. How how long did you play? How far did uh, you get? I got to where I was supposed to get to for the line printer, which is the first major story item that you're supposed to get to restart the FTL drive. And I looked mm-hmm. at the ship and I saw, okay, there's a, a few of the unkillable enemies. It's a small ship. I can't lock the door, so I can't block them in like you're supposed to. Fuck this. Uninstall. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I I'm, got past that, but not much farther. I mean, past I realized that. I could have just continued on and probably, you know, done something else, but I just, I wasn't really having fun with it because, like I said, the first few ships I encountered, because I, well, I had a bad setup for several characters, which that's something we could talk about in a minute. I had several bad setups with characters, so I had to stealth my way around and try to just essentially pop heads, which the gunplay is, it's doable, but, you know, it's decent, but it's not good, but it's not bad either. It's And I think that's kind of the thing for the entire game, is that, you know, it's not bad, but it's not great either. It's not good either. The gunplay, there's no aim-down sights like you mentioned uh, in pre-show stuff. So, I was going to say, yeah, that was, that well, was well, pre-show. Well, 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 I was saying it was pre-show stuff. So, being able to shoot heads uh, and I, uh, down a long corridor is, you know, a roll of the dice at best. The stealth mechanics are workable, but, you know, once enemies are alerted, you know, uh, all the enemies kind of cascade. So, it's uh, you're dealing with an entire section of the ship, and if there's some of the more meaty enemies, n- not even mentioning the non-killable at lower level stuff, then, you know, you're... Uh, yeah, you're just in a gunfight now. Uh, the, yeah. I would say the horror aspect is actually pretty uh, decent. Yeah, there's a lot of you know, uh, noises. It's a lot of psychological horror. It's not a you know, jump scare horror, which is what a lot of games lean on. Yeah, which I, I like that aspect. I can handle that. I hate jump scares. I yeah. don't like being scared. I never felt scared, like really scared playing. It's just like a little bit like, ooh, yeah, something like, over there. Like stressed. Yeah, stressed, and and I can I can handle that. It also does this thing, which well I guess we'll talk more fully about in graphics, where it it does like the little, like comic book effects, the, like noises that they make. Yeah, you know, and there's different ones that are, what is that? Onomatopoeias. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, yeah onomatopoeia. So you can figure out what enemy is based on the noise, and that actually makes it a lot more accessible because a deaf person would be able to see the person, uh, see the, uh, the wording instead of having to rely on. Uh, a noise uh, effect or a sound effect, so that yeah, so that does make it a lot more accessible. Uh, you know, if they happen to see it, because you know it could happen behind them, and you know they won't see that, of course, and there's no indicator. Uh, but uh, the survival aspect is essentially if you have food, you're uh, you regain health going between ships or resting on your uh, on the Steve, which I can't recall what the what that. Uh, acronym is for or means, but uh, 
if you don't have food, you're uh, slowly starving and taking damage. If you have uh, fuel, it's, like I said, very basic. If you have fuel, uh, you're able to jump uh, one area or one link forward in this giant web of a nebula. But you can't go backwards for whatever reason. Uh, because you're not getting pursued. It's just, you know, it's just not allowed by the corporation. Right. Which, Always forward. Which, which, like Enron. Uh, which is, uh, well, hmm. uh, well, I guess we'll, <laughs> I guess we'll uh, disagree with uh, going forward there. Well, I was, you know, implying to your doom. Well, we could go telltale there. <laughs> forward to your doom. Uh, but, yeah, there's no being chased, so there's, or at least in the early game. So, you know, having to be forced down this, uh, further and further down this web, you know, makes little sense to me, actually. So, yeah, there, there's just a lot of little diddling, uh, design factors in the different genres that they borrow from that it felt like the game uh, devs didn't really understand why that's there, why the uh, uh, no going backwards in FTL uh, is there because of the you know, kind of rush mechanic. Well, this one's very sedate. It, you, as long as you have uh, uh, supplies, you know, it doesn't really matter as long as you, you, know, you, know, you have fuel and food. Well, uh, they're trying to balance the game, so uh, no going backwards, and we're not going to explain why. Uh, the gunplay is middling, but they don't really, you know, give you any good options at least early on. Yeah, I got a shotgun. Yeah, um, yeah, I didn't get the shotgun. The shotgun is at least on the the lower difficulties, like insta kill, insta victory. Because you basically can guarantee a headshot every time. Um, you know, obviously because it's a fire cone. And since you can't zoom in, you can't aim down sights to pinpoint where you're going to shoot, then that pretty much guarantees a headshot every time. So that helps out a lot as long as you don't run out of ammo. Yeah, which uh, all the different uh, weapons use different ammo, so eventually... If you unlock too many weapons, you know, you're going to have an issue of, okay, well, I have uh, bolts for this and this, but not this. But then you could, you know, head to the shop and maybe buy something. Yeah. It's... <sighs> so I, I liked this a bit more than you did. I didn't love it. If it was like, you know, if you give me a choice of this game and another game, you know, depending on what that other game is, I'm, I'm you know, probably 50-50 would pick another game over this. I mean, it's better than a Pokemon game. It is. Um, but I, I like a lot of the little things that make it unique. I love the art style. Yeah, I did really like the art style and the writing in it. So, the, I mean, the art style is cell shaded but they make the black borders a lot thicker, a lot more bold, which makes it feel... Comic bookish. Super comic book uh, Especially with the cutscenes. Because yeah. uh, they'll do different panels, and all the panels are animated instead of, uh, hey, this is a cutscene that looks uh, like a comic book, but it's still going to play out like a normal cutscene. Well, no, yeah. they went full hog with the actual art style in the cutscenes. Unfortunately, they don't do a lot of cutscenes, which is uh, a little bit sad. They just, uh, every time you die, you get the same cutscene over and over again. Yeah, and I mean, there might be more later on that neither of us got to, but... Yeah. 
Um, so there's that. And then like we mentioned before, the having the sound effects, onomatopoeias, the way they pop up on the screen. And I would say feels the, just like comic book sound effects. And I would say the voice actor for the AI, which is the voice actor from the Stanley parable. Yeah, I was going to, I was, I was going to say that too in a minute, but, um, yeah, I mean, the art style is amazing. That's the biggest draw to me for this game. Um, the the sound, tr- the sound, the soundtrack, the sound effects, the audio design for the game. We kind of talked about that a little bit already. The way that it it does things and makes them feel a little bit creepy. Yeah, a little uh, bit. Well, well, you know, well, the art style also really ties it in. Where yeah, you are in this absolutely disheveled ship. You know, stuff thrown all over the place. Yeah, security system on, and uh, you hear the uh, the intercom talking, you know, pretty normally, and it adds to that atmosphere of mm-hmm. dread of something bad happened here. Never mind the fact that you know all the passengers are mutated, even if you didn't know that. You know, there's that ever uh, overarching sense of dread of things went wrong. Very wrong. Yeah. And sometimes based on which sort of environment you get, you know, smoke and fire versus darkness or darkness is a nightmare. God, they fucked that up. Did you get any dark? Uh, no, I didn't. Any? Uh, 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 I, I had an option for a dark and I doped because that was. I took one. No, 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 no. Uh, that was uh, the one before the line printer. And that was also yeah. full of the not unkillable enemies. <laughs> yeah, I, I took one. And I was like, oh, it's dark, I'll have a flashlight. No. And you have a light, but it's like you're pointing it directly at the ceiling above your head. And it's like pitch black, except for a very small radius around you. So you can't, I mean, you can't see anything until you're right on top of it. Enemies' heads do, like, glow. This weird sort of eerie bluish purple. Right, like could plasma? Be based. Yeah, like plasma. Um... So you can see their heads, but otherwise, you I mean, you can't see anything. It's its a nightmare. I would avoid dark at all costs, uh, wherever possible. And probably smoke would be as bad. If it, uh, Smoke's not as bad as dark. I, it can be, because smoke obscures a lot of stuff. Yeah, I, get, yeah can, I guess we should say each one of these ships has modifiers, either positive or negative, as does the player character. Uh, and, uh, some of them are really good, like, uh, on my, well, when I noped out and when I hit the line printer and thought, you know, I'm not enjoying this game enough and I wouldn't be able to get far enough to really make that much more difference anyway. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to go do something else. Uh, I hit a ship early, uh, earlier on about halfway through that life at that point. Where I had an ammo cache and I had, it was just a couple of like the little guy, uh, you know, you know, pop them in the head and they're dead, uh, enemies. Mm-hmm. Uh, even with the starter pistol and tourists and the uh, character that I had was a travel guide for one of his perks, which made it so that tourists, you know, pretty much just ignored him, you know, just I would ask him about, you know, uh, when's the buffet going to open up? That sort of thing. And no, I'm not joking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just you know, wandered around, popped a, a couple heads, and uh, stocked up on ammo for my pistol. 
So, you know, uh, at that point, it became more of a shooter, but, you know, then I kept getting uh, just ships that were just absolutely terrible to deal with. Thankfully, you are able to just, you know, I don't feel like doing this. And if you have enough fuel and food, uh, that it's not going to be an issue to get to the next ship. And if you run out of fuel, you are able to just kind of drift along, but it takes like four or five days <laughs> uh, to just skip a ship that's, you know, uh, more difficult, which is about the only choice that you have, really, because, yeah, probably the one of the bigger bugbears for me is the fact that you don't have any choice on your character. And some of those negative traits are really bad. Yeah. Um, you get one at a time, basically. You know, whenever your character dies, you get a new one. Otherwise, you're stuck with that character. And as far as I know, you can't evolve the traits. Uh, actually, negative ones. Uh, there are nodes on the map that randomize a trait. Oh, I didn't. So. Uh, Don't remember that or didn't just didn't see any of them yeah i came across a couple of them uh, uh you have either one or two traits maybe three if the, because some of the ships also have a therapy thing that you could take part in but i never found it uh, on the ship they offered it on where mm-hmm. it'll randomize a trait so uh but you don't have a choice on what you're randomizing it's just you know uh if you have two traits it's flipping a coin and then flipping a coin again so on, uh, it was actually the, uh, well, I had it on a couple of the lives, but the one with the tour, uh, with the tour director, uh, he was oblivious, which meant that he couldn't see health. So, you know, for some of the more nasty enemies, I was, you know, wasting ammo whenever they were almost dead. You know, I, you know, try to kill them as quickly as possible. Yeah. But I was able to randomize that into, uh, a footpad trait so that he would be silent running, which turned out to be helpful because a couple of the ships, like I said, were you know, pretty bad. Not as bad as you got, but still. <laughs> yeah, I had I had a, a couple of interesting ones. I, I got I got one with colorblind, which colorblind makes everything black and white. Um, that's listed as a negative trait, and it, it does make things a little strange. But it I didn't feel like it really negatively impacted the gameplay all that much it might matter more later or maybe in like a dark situation or smoke that might make it more tough but i didn't run into any of those situations with that and then i had one that had small um which means that they're short uh and that's listed as a positive they're basically their height is limited to the crouch position like that's the height of the character and in some ways it's it's negative like it's listed as a positive trait here on this list but in some ways it's a negative because you can't see into you know through certain windows or into rooms or look at certain like monitors or whatever but you never have to like crouch down so you can always just run at full speed everywhere you're, you're going um and that opens up some interesting little yeah the mini trade gameplay ideas yeah uh, uh, well the negative trait is the only way you're able to communicate is through flipping people off <laughs> that sounds like a positive to me i don't know what you're thinking um, but you know, there's there's a big list. We're looking at them on the the wiki. We didn't play enough long enough to obviously to get all of them. But you know, there's positives, there's negatives, there's some that are you know not quite as good or bad. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's just like I said, it felt like a lot of uh, things just it just didn't fit right. 
And uh, well, let's talk about the progression system real quick because I mentioned it before, but yeah, we didn't really dive into it. So uh, you have food, fuel, uh, ammo, and then uh, special items. And everything else that you find is essentially recycled into bio slag data power and there's a fifth one that I'm blanking on. Mm-hmm. And essentially these key items that you get are used to create the new things in your uh, loadout. So one of the first things that you're uh, told to get is a glow plug, which allows you to create an item finder to be able to find the other ones of your choice a little bit easier, even though eh, not really because some, uh, it's a it felt very linear on just what they had where, at least on my playthrough. But it could also just be how mine generated compared to yours. Because I- yeah, well, I do know, I discovered this after the fact, you can actually just bypass them and they will generate at a in the future. So you don't have to go get the key, um, you know, whatever, the key items right away. Yeah. I didn't realize that the first time. So I was just like, well, I guess this is where I'm going. But I, I saw that after the fact. Yeah, but uh, getting back to what I was saying. Well, uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, like I mentioned before, when you die, your inventory is carried over except for what you have on you at the time. So all the stuff is transferred to the new character with a new set of traits. And essentially it's a grind. So if, let's say... Uh, the item I wanted uh, was pretty far off for, let's say, you know, uh, something that makes it so I find bullets every so often in, in uh, drawers and uh, stuff. Well, that item's far off, but if I grind enough and, you know, you know hit the shop and, you know, uh, eat my Wheaties and all that, <laughs> eventually I might be able to grind up to be able to just craft it and then build the item before I would otherwise have it. But it's just so damn sluggish. You usually end up with just a handful of items unless you come across a ship that has a cache of a certain item. And I think that was uh, part of the problem is that a lot of the fun with roguelites is odd weapons and odd combinations of weapons. You know, the Binding of Isaac, getting all the different stuff. Uh, Enter the Gungeon's another good example, getting all the weird weapons. This, you're stuck with just a handful of things for a very, very, very long time. And it's not that good a shooter on top of it. Uh, I mean, there are some interesting looking weapons farther down the line. I didn't get any of these. But like, the Kitty Bot, which is a bomb that's like a cat head that rolls around on tank treads. And whenever it detects an enemy... It like charges them, and then it you know yeah I it, got it. It does it's, damage. Uh, you, uh, it takes the slot of the secondary item, so like the explosive grenades. Okay, I didn't uh, get the kitty bot. Yeah, so. it, it's okay, but the thing is that you know you could only have so many of them. I thought the kitty bot looked cool. I'm sad that it's not as good as that as I hoped it would be. Oh well. Yeah, like uh, I was just. I'm looking down the list now, and I gotta say that there's you know, not a ton of uh, weapons uh, either. There's, you know, it feels very limited. 
if that's yeah this is everything of course because you have firearms which you're able to take one of indirect weapons so like uh, the bushwhacker the uh, uh, the explosive grenade uh, the kitty bot that sort of thing actually that's mm-hmm. that's in the device sorry uh, the kitty bot is a it's in the third slot not the secondary slot actually no it forced it forced me to check to choose so maybe I didn't unlock the third slot yet which is also a possibility so yeah it's just yeah I had this the stapler which is a, a shotgun yeah see I didn't get lucky enough to get the stapler so I was uh, forced to basically just keep the regulator which was the initial starting weapon for actually quite a while I had just unlocked uh, the zapper but or, or the toaster no, no, no the zapper but I didn't have a lot of uh, ammo for it yet so yeah it was mm. yeah I didn't get the toaster I'm looking at some of these weapons I don't really like the names for most of them yeah it it feels like you know uh, names that they would be placeholders for, you know? Like Bushwhacker. But I just, I like that name. Cluster Flack and Cluster Fluck. <laughs> Alright, here I, I like thought that. you would That's like the Big Banger. Words. Big Banger. Uh, indirect Weapons, it's right above Cluster Flack. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody loves a, a good Big Banger, right? A uh, Big Banger that makes them into MASH? Since we're going, uh, since we're going uh, British, mash mush. What is that? VP gunpoint. Oh, I thought that would be something cool. Anyways, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think I we're, yeah, I think we're just underwhelmed. Yeah, uh, this is. I love the. This is sort of like Rebel Galaxy for you. Yeah, you, know, you were so hyped going into that. Yeah, I I loved the the voice acting. There's not enough of it, but I loved it. I love the art style. And most of the rest of it is just kind of, meh. It's not bad. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah. So, you know, if I'm if I'm I think I'm going to come back to it and and at some point as long as Game Pass fixes whatever's wrong with it and I can get it downloaded and playing again, I want to come back to it and do some more stuff with it and and you know, get farther see if there's any, like, cool secret story, story stuff or whatever. Um, you know, what happens if you win? Or is it actually possible to win? I assume it is. But, you know. Yeah, I noped out. <laughs> I just... I, I just want to have fun, uh, fun with it, so I just said, you know, <clears throat> I got other things to do. That is fair. That is fair. Well, with us coming to a close on Void Bastards talk very quickly for a second about what our next game club is going to be yeah we're going on a trip to donut county we are this is supposed to be a very wacky game so this is uh, if this hits it's probably going to be amazing if it misses it's probably going to be miserable yeah i'm looking forward to it though relatively short uh story linear sort of story based game with some fun little Mechanics. I almost said puzzle mechanics. I don't think that's right. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if this would really count as a puzzle game. I'm, I could be wrong well, on that. Well, I guess we'll, it says it's a physics puzzle game. 
story-based physics puzzle game. But I mean, I've seen some gameplay footage of it. I'm not sure how it's a puzzle. I mean, I've seen I've seen some gameplay that does suggest a bit of puzzling. So I think that there, I think it, I think puzzle game probably is a, you know, decent enough, but not its main focus. So yeah, this is going to be interesting. Indubitably, indubitably, indeedy do, whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, you've been hanging out with the British AI too much. (laughs) That is that. I'm looking forward to it. I hope that it is good. This would be two. We had two in a row that were kind of like, eh, yeah, for Game Club for us. So I'm hoping Donut County is a nice breath of, of fresh air, you know, to get us stoked for going into spooky month yeah which uh spooky month will also be a shorter month for me yeah that's when you're going uh to your convention yep um i have forgotten what game i know we picked it out but i've forgotten what it is i'm going to a list yeah pray um and that is another game pass game correct yep yeah um yeah, so Game Pass gonna, has actually get... been really knocking out of the park with their picks. I agree. I mean, they, I agree. I mean, they just released uh, uh, actually Bard's Tale Four Director's Cuts just came out, but uh, Kingdom Come Deliverance is also on there. I was about to ask you a question, but I think because it has to do with Prey, <laughs> probably save that for. October. I'm sure I'll remember this question. I'll write it down. I'll bring it up then. Or, or just text um, it to me. Right, <laughs> yeah. Right now, though, uh, it's 42. A, yes. I need to take a quick break before we come back and start the news. Um, and speaking of things that throw errors all the time, Kerbal Space Program <laughs> 2. Uh, there's a, a sequel announced. Um, yeah, last week we, don't, we uh, missed our chance to be on the uh, bleeding edge of the news with this because my internet, for once, it was my internet, yeah. not yours. Yeah, I'm absolved this time. No, you're not. Yeah, you're a bad they're, influence. They're, well, whatever. That's fine. It wasn't directly my fault, and in my mind, that makes me completely innocent. But... Yes, so we are getting a sequel to Kerbal Space Program. Yeah. And you might think, well, what can you do for a sequel to Kerbal Space Program, the game that has basically been modded to have everything? Well, you take all of those mods, or not all of them, but you take some of those mods, and you basically just build them into the game. And potentially make I get, the game prettier. I was going to say, yeah, prettier. Um, and who knows, maybe it'll have some bug fixes. <laughs> Doubt and, it. And introduce but, a lot more. Yeah. But maybe, and I mean, they could do other things to introduce a lot of new cosmetic related stuff that might have been planned as like a DLC or something like, I don't know. They could do a lot of stuff with it. And also, well, it makes me wonder if the DLC from the base game or from the original now, which it feels odd saying the original Carbal Space Program, uh, gets in, yeah. uh, incorporated or if you're going to have to buy that all over again, you know, especially the uh, robotic stuff. Yeah. I haven't played KSP since we did it as Game Club, or for a Game Club game, what was it, two years ago, a year and a half ago? Yeah, something like that. 
I was going to pick up the robotics DLC next time it went on sale. Or, yeah, probably this winter when it goes on sale. But now I'm a little hesitant because, you know, this is going to come out next year. Or early next year. Yeah. Um, set to release, all it says is spring of 2020. So, thinking probably March or April for that. Like, towards the end of springtime. You know, I guess technically you could get early May. Um, but... Yeah, let's see. So I'm looking on the Steam page right now. It says planned release date 2020. Key features. Improved onboarding. Uh, Carbal Station Phone 2 will create a whole new generation of space flight experts who find themselves accidentally learning rocket science. So it's got new tutorials, improved AI, uh, revamped assembly, flight instructions, next generation technology, and KSP2. Challenge next generation. Okay, so more parts. Uh, colonies. Yeah, that's which... the, that's one of the big features. That was it was River Dude, wasn't it? That it had essentially a colony mod or one of the leading ones. Yes, and that mod was fucking awesome. I used it quite a I bit. I used it a bit, but I never got far enough with it to be able to yeah. be able to uh, have it essentially self-sustain. So looking at this, it looks like the colonies you build eventually can reach the point where they can become their own construction and launch points. Which um, is, uh, now I'm blanking on the name of it, but uh, one of the mods that allows you to essentially build up a secondary launch site or to buy a secondary launch site. So that was one of the ones yeah. I used to really love because, you know, you could have uh, uh, essentially just, you know, extra base stations that you could buy up and make it so that your relay network was a lot more stable because you had extra base stations you know, to bounce off of. Yeah. And then interstellar travel. It says next-gen tech, colonies, and systematic resource gathering all lead to a whole new level of exploration. Interstellar travel, which there were a number of mods that utilized that or that introduced this. Yeah. No- Some of them had things like warp drive. This doesn't say what that is going to be or what this means. Well, uh, I assume well, from, faster than light travel. Well, from what under, no, 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 no. Uh, they actually talked to some of the devs about this. So this is where oh, okay. I know a little bit more. Uh, they're adding new star systems and all the tech is still technically sci-fi, but it's feasible. Like the Orion drive, you know, nuclear fucking weapons uh, used to propel a spaceship. Yeah. So it's not faster than light travel. It's still going to take a long time to to get there. But uh, at the same time, you know, it's still, you know, kind of skirting sci-fi. And that's where I had trouble with uh, some of these mods was that, you know, they would just break the game, you know? Right. So are they going to use things like laser pushing beams? Uh, and... uh, th- well, they didn't get into exact specifics, but in the trailer, you could see the uh, base plate of an Orion drive on one of the ships. Because uh, you know, what the Orion drive is, like I said, it's nuclear weapons. It's essentially yeah. a giant ablative shield with a little door in the middle. And they push a shaped nuclear warhead out the door and it floats behind the spaceship then detonates and it pushes the shock the shockwave pushes against the plate and the plate also shields the ship of course and it essentially rides the shockwave 
and pushes it faster and faster. And it can, in theory, get up to a good portion of the speed of light. Or, or I shouldn't say a good portion, a decent percentage. It's not going to, yeah, it's not warp drive or anything close. I mean, even if you got like 10 or 15% of the speed of light, that's ridiculously fucking fast. And you would have issues with, I mean, I suppose they're not going to go like full, like we think of space as being empty, but when you start to, you know, creep up the light speed percentages, it, it, even relatively, things that are microscopic yeah. become issues. And space is not empty like that. Yeah. You know, space is not devoid of everything. So, yeah, let's see. But I assume they won't deal with that. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm trying to find out just how fast uh, a real Iran uh, drive would get. Oh, uh, yep. I see that. I, I just went back and watched the trailer. Uh, I mean, that's that looks right. like the base plate for one. Yeah. Although, and also, that looks like a torch drive as well on one of those ships. I'm not as familiar with torch drive, so what's that one? Uh, torch drive, uh, like a fusion candle. <laughs> um you're utilizing all or nearly all of the power created by fusion drive um, to continuously push uh, drive plasma out the rear end of a ship, um, allowing for, again, you know, getting into that 10, 15, potentially 20% range of light speed. But even at speed slower than that, it changes the nature of space travel because you can continuously, you know, accelerate mm-hmm. and decelerate. So you can, uh, instead of doing having to utilize things like Hohmann transfers or uh, elliptical, bi-elliptical transfers, you can just point your ship technically in a straight line and accelerate for 50% of the journey and decelerate for 50% mm-hmm. of the journey. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, it really depends on the type of Orion drive because there's a momentum limited and there's the energy limited. It's basically just how they're capturing it, from what I can tell. Uh, but... The max speed is 3.3% the speed of light. Yeah. Also known as really fucking fast. Yeah. You think it's like, oh, 3.3% the speed of light. That's not Uh, fast. That's 10,000 kilometers a second. Yeah. Not hour, second. There's probably uh, diminishing returns. I feel like... Yeah. You know that sort of yeah, essentially yeah, uh, a pulse yeah, drive yeah, 3. would be really effective is, at uh, yeah uh, basically the maximum uh, it could do. A more realistic uh, energy limited is point three three, which is a thousand kilometers a second. Oh, only a thousand kilometers a second! God, that's so fast. That's unimaginably fast. Yeah, once you get uh, where they're measuring kilometers a second, you know, uh, you're uh, Little human brain can't comprehend numbers that big. Yeah. Let's just Let see. Let me see if... Uh, let's just put it this way. You get, put it to miles per hour and it immediately gets the scientific notation. <laughs> I, probably the fastest, at least the things that I've heard of, that you can, can go within conventional physics um, would be using a, a laser pushing beam. On a, on a craft, because that is going at the speed of light, and it'd be a very slow acceleration curve, unless you're just using, like, massive melt-your-face-off lasers. Um, but you could get, theoretically, up to around 80 
to 90% the speed of light using a pushing laser mm-hmm. based on some stuff that like this podcast that I listen to and some other things that I've read that go into it. But by the time you get to that speed, you've got so many other issues related to uh, drag and the type, you know, micro particles tearing your ship in half. So Yeah, they're also talking but all this about stuff is f- different types of uh, bombs for the Iran drive that could push you up to 10% or even 50 to 80% for matter, anti-matter annihilation rockets. <laughs> so... That, that's getting high sci, uh, high sci-fi because, uh, you know, making animator, you know, we could get a few atoms of it. Yeah. Animator, though, would, that would be the way to go. Cause you get, what is it? Double, cause you get the explosive force of the animator reaction plus the, an equal explosive force of normal matter reaction. So two for the price of one. Mm-hmm. But also known as really fucking fast. <laughs> yeah. But. I mean, it would I still mean, be a generational I'm, ship for anything beyond the local cluster, but still. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this as long as there's not some horrible well, thing they've already that said, happens between uh, now they, and release. They've already said no Epic Game Store, and they've actually had to come out and say, oh, and no loot boxes. Because, yo, the state of gaming, right? But probably the most interesting thing on this is the thing that we haven't even covered yet. Multiplayer. They're building multiplayer into the game. There's been mods that tried to do multiplayer, but it's always been fiddly at best or hardly working. But if they're able to do that and tame the Kraken, which is the other thing, but you know, they're also, you know, building this game from the ground up with all these features in mind and not trying to hack them in later. It's going to be interesting. To say the least, yeah. but also how multiplayer how they handle multiplayer. I, I I foresee multiplayer being small servers, you know, small player accounts, time warp being an agreed upon thing. The also the um you know we went round and round and round back in the days of Kerbalcast discussing how multiplayer would work in KSP and and how we could you know what we could do with it and ideas for it. The increased scale of this game. Uh, makes me think that multiplayer is a lot more feasible just because there's, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot more stuff to do, you know, colony building, management, resource gathering, you know, all of that jazz. Like, I mean, sure, absolutely. You can do it by yourself. People will, I'm sure we will, but also that's something that would be very easy to be like, okay, so I'm going to work on the, the Duna base and you work on the Mun base and you know we'll be both pouring resources into our first interstellar craft or whatever mm-hmm. you know really easy to divide and conquer because as we've discovered with multiple games that have this this sort of multiplayer where there's a lot of stuff going on like there you have a big danger of one person or maybe two people depending on how big your group is taking over and fucking up the experience for everybody and being able to really uh delegate different tasks like this like you know just because of the sheer scale of the game would really ease that issue so we might instead of having friday night rooms we might have friday night booms Uh, yeah booms we'll go with that 
or Friday Night Launch. <laughs> oh, we got time to but, workshop it. Yeah, but I, you know, like I said, I think I'm pretty pretty positive we're both gonna get this mm-hmm. unless there's some massive horrible thing between now and launch. Yeah, it's like oh, fuck this. So uh, I mean, uh, little something. Yeah, that- the only thing that uh, has me a little concerned is possibility of them milking the ever loving hell out of it with DLC. Which I think that's fair. Yeah, but they didn't do that. Did they do that with the original KSP? I mean, I haven't checked in. Uh, on it, uh, like it has two, two DLCs out. I mean, that's not yeah. too bad, given the, how long the game has been around. Yeah, I just I hope can, that they uphold that. their promise because if it does go Epic Game Store, no, uh, it, it, it releases a year later. Yeah, just because I've seen way too many horror stories. Uh, that and, you know, the executive of uh, Epic Games is a douchebag. But, but mostly because the Epic Games store is a dumpster fire. Yeah. It is indeed. Um, But yeah, I don't I yeah. don't have anything else to add to this. Well, well I do have to say that it, I do have uh, uh, my... It, it's hit my... The top of my hypometer at cautious optimism <laughs> which that should say something about me huh just because yeah. of the trailer uh the trailer is pretty much the spirit of uh, Kerbal space program awesome shit weird shit shit blowing up explosions yeah things going horribly explosions wrong. and falling over yeah. <laughs> i just hope I, I hope that they don't go uh, now, uh, now stay with me here, but they don't uh, use the fact that the first game is known to be uh, wacky with its physics as an excuse to be loose with its physics, to you know, be sloppy with the gameplay. I mean, I want room to have you know goofy shit, but I would like to see the Kraken can you know finally be tamed, you know? Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I realize that there's always going to be physics uh, glitches and that sort of thing in this side, in this type of game, more so just because of the scale of things. But you have to admit, Kerbal Space Program was fucking irritating at times. Even just the base game, no mods outside of the very basics of flight stuff that shouldn't affect the physics engine. Because, yeah. uh, honestly, I consider that base game instead of, you know, actual base game. You know, things like Kerbal Engineer. Yeah. Hopefully this has something equivalent to that. Uh, according that to the, uh, uh, well, there's a secondary trailer that's the game dev story that yeah. shows a couple screenshots that looks like there's a lot more HUD in this version. A lot more information in the game. Good, good, good. Uh, now the question is, how much of that is there for development purposes, and how much of that is actual testing for you know player HUD is left to be seen, or how many, how much of it is optional? Because there was you know about of information overkill as well. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, cautious optimism about the highest you could get for me. I mean, I'm I'm excited. I mean, you know, no pre-orders, but, you know, I, I hope it's good. 
Yeah, same here. Uh, so the question is, uh, uh, when this comes out, uh, wh- which one of us is Biff? And is it gets to be Biff or has to be Biff? <laughs> um, I think that depends on your on our perspective. Because if it's me, I get to be Biff. If it's you, is it has to be Biff? Hmm, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, and also we need to, you know, uh, get Biff out of storage. Do Do you remember where we put the Tupperware container that that holds them? Uh, no. Maybe it's at the bottom of the deep freezer. Yeah, shit. Uh, I'll have to go look for it later. Uh, that That means he's under the pile of drumsticks. <laughs> no one, Biff. Uh, it's probably the pile of bones now. I know. We could just uh, release Taylor Swift. Taylor's new album is pretty good. <laughs> You're just trying to summon him now, Taylor. <laughs> Maybe, but also I I believe that she's had another big change up in the way that she does music in the last couple of years, and I've liked her her both of her most recent albums. I did see that she uh, has recently changed her politics, which uh, it was more uh, kind of huh instead of you know oh that's cool uh, trying to be more proactive in things because. Yeah, since she didn't denounce one side, the other that side claimed her. From what I read, yeah. Which, yeah. So, I don't have a segue for this. So, uh, how about uh, how about more broken promises uh, from the games industry, and why I max out at cautious optimism? Sounds good. Um. Responded bits, we broke our promise with Apex Legends' current loot box riddled event. Yeah, now they have gone back and fixed some of this, but it's still an absolute mess. So, let's start with how things were. Apex Legends, for those who don't know, is a battle royale game. So that means I pretty much avoided it from the get-go. I was interested in it for you know, a minute, like... But, yeah. So, they had their new season for their Battle Pass, and it was, oh, blanking on the name of it, and I uh, don't see it just in a casual glance at this, but they released a new season pass, essentially, and they had it tied to loot boxes, because that's everything these days is loot boxes, well, for now. And it was... $7 per loot box to unlock, but you didn't get duplicates. Oh, and you could only get two loot box out of the dozen or so. I'm, I'm, I'm looking here desperately for numbers, but I'm not seeing them. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, out of, uh, 12, uh, different legendary items from the boxes. So, you know, already pretty expensive, right? Well, then. Right. They had essentially a legendary cosmetic on top of that, which you could not buy until you had the complete set from the loot boxes, and it was eighteen dollars uh, on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets rather ridiculous, huh? Oh yeah, extremely ridiculous. Because I think the total price it was one hundred twenty, one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty. Uh, uh, actually 170. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, sorry. I'm going back and looking uh, because the initial article is from a British site, so it's all pounds. Uh, but let's see. A normal. Uh, let's just uh, read verbatim from PC game uh, from PC Radar. Uh, a normal Apex Legend pack costs a hundred Apex coins or about a dollar because you know that's how these things work. An Iron Crown pack, meanwhile, goes for seven hundred or roughly seven dollars, which is a pretty big markup. It doesn't help that the cosmetics obtained from these packs are unique to this event. Which will end, well, actually ends on recording day, so, yeah. A little late to the game, but uh, let's go with it anyway. Especially since the first Apex Legend battle pack was heavily criticized for lacking uh, compelling cosmetics. So, there, oh, there's 24 uh, exclusive items, sorry, and there's 12 epics and 12 legendaries, so that's, so 24 on top of everything. Uh, you could earn two free packs, but only two by completing challenges. Bringing the cost down to 22 packs, or 15,400 coins, if you take the most efficient route and buy coins in bulk, which will cost you about 140 bucks. Then, there's a legendary skin that costs $18 on top of it, which also costs coins. So, to take the most efficient route with coins, it's about $170 to, uh, to guarantee the Bloodhound's heirloom item. Which is a bargain, of course, right? Oh yeah, steal of the century. What in the fuck, right? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm just flabbergasted that this this is a thing, right? Yeah, I mean, this is out of control. Loot boxes. I mean, they have been for I, a while, I, I, I would, but they continue to push the boundary. I would actually say beyond. not just loot boxes, but. Macro transactions. These are not micro anymore. They, to be honest, they never were really what I would consider micro transactions. But now, seven dollars per loot box. To to put that into perspective, a site that I frequent every so often, uh, they'll uh, randomly sell off some of their random crap. All right, so a physical loot box, all right? But, you know, it's not as bad because I can trade and give stuff away. To get that shipped to me, it's $10. Am I the only one that's seeing a little bit of uh, an inflation on their side, on the uh, gaming side of things? Yeah, but, I mean, they've, they've gotten to this point because people have paid for them up until this point. Uh, that's the, the problem. No, 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 no. The scary it, thing is hidden in one of these articles. Uh, bu- 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 let's see if I can find it. But they were basically saying that no matter the jump in price, the amount of people buying them, their uh, turnover rate, didn't change. That is terrifying. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Is it? Oh, sorry, I'm trying to find the actual quote. Uh, because... Uh, then, on top of everything else, okay, because that's not bad enough, then the lead designer for Apex Legend, if I recall correctly, started calling people freeloaders and crybabies and toxic people uh, because they were upset about the uh, loot box prices. Because, yeah, that, that, that's, that's going to make you popular, right? Yep. PR 101, antagonize your customers. Hey, it worked for Ghostbusters, right? It was a big hit. 
Oh, wait. So this blew up all over social media, and they're now walking it back. Yeah, and depending on how tight your tinfoil hat is, uh, you could be led to believe that they always intended it to be more expensive than the previous one, but not this expensive, and are walking it back to where they wanted it to instead of setting it initially, which we have seen this before. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not as crazy as you may think. But damn, right? Yeah, I mean, it It wouldn't surprise me if that was the case. I'm not gonna, like, immediately be like, aha! Because I tend to not wear the tinfoil hat as I, I, much. I, I don't but believe it, it outright. it wouldn't surprise but, me. Yeah, I don't believe it outright, but at the same time, it's... Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to find the actual quote, but I'm not seeing it. Uh, about him talking about the fact that it didn't really matter that uh, they still had about the same turnover rate for uh, their uh, cosmetics. And they were talking about how it's such a low number. Well, at seven bucks a pop, you would believe it's a low number, right? Yeah, I mean, I would... Like I say, I would never spend seven bucks on something that's in air quotes microtransaction. But for, like, a random loot box, I would never spend $7 on that. Like, at this point, as just, like, a personal rule, I don't buy loot boxes, period. But, you know, if they were... Oh, well, technically I'm buying a physical a, one, but still. Yeah, but, I mean, you know, if they were, like, 50 cents or 99 cents, I might be tempted on an impulse buy level... Because that's so cheap, but like seven bucks, I'm not gonna waste seven bucks on that bullshit. I'm gonna go spend seven dollars on like, I don't know, a pizza, or buying a real ass game on Steam, or buying an ass game. You know, yes, definitely an ass game. Or you know, put that seven bucks to something that I could use that's more useful. Yeah, but uh, here's the thing, Jared. All right. You realize the value of the $7. A lot of this is tying into the people that don't realize the value of that $7. The people that have enough that, eh, 7 bucks, whatever. Or the kids that it's not their money. Mm-hmm. It's tying into the people that are addicted to the loot boxes. That it's preying upon them. So, it's just so shitty that we're in this situation. That, once again, we're, you know, having to talk about damn loot boxes. And the industry keeps marching on and bringing the price higher and higher. That, yeah, there's a reason why I stay in, yeah, the double-A indie scene. (laughs) Because, damn, right? Yeah. I mean, double-A indie scene is honestly producing better games these days. I mean, they have been for a while. It's like that's a brand new revelation I've just had, but I would say that that's where better games are most of the time. I would say they're also willing to take bigger risks. I would say that's the more interesting thing is that you see a greater variety. It's not all the shooters are exactly the same. All the strategy games are... Oh, wait. There's no such thing as a AAA strategy anymore. Uh, All the... uh, 
I say that jokingly, but at the same time, eh, you know, a little sad as well. But, you know, all the platformers aren't exactly the same because, you know, they're not all trying to be Mario. I mean, just, I'm just sitting here looking at the Game Pass stuff. I, I realize, yeah, this isn't exactly a great you know, barometer, but at the same time, uh, Snake Pass, uh, Guacamelee 2, uh, SteamWorld Dig, three platformers that are very, very different from one another. One's a physics-based platformer, one's a Metroidvania platformer, and one's a mining platformer. And that's just the only reason why I looked at Game Pass was that I forgot to shut it down earlier <laughs> as a distraction. But it does serve the point that very, very different games in the indie double A scene, even though I wouldn't really call any, any of these double A, that they're small enough that they're willing to, that they're able to take the risk. They're willing to take that risk to try to stand out from the crowd. Seeing things like Night Call, which is a very uh, interesting looking game. You'd never, ever see that in the AAA scene. Right, and once again, not a platformer, but it serves the purpose. And I had it installed, so. And no loot boxes. That's the thing. No loot boxes. <laughs> the yeah. closest thing we get to a loot box that we're playing these days is Forza, and that's. Uh, it feels like they built the game around uh, microtransactions, but then backed it off uh, in development, but we're too far along. But they throw uh, yeah, so many rolls at you that it doesn't really matter in the long run. Yeah. You get... I don't know. I get some uh, between 5 and 10 every time I play, depending on how long it's for and what's going mm-hmm. on. Sometimes more particularly when we do the, the the night specifically where we do all of the weekly stuff. Yeah. Get a bunch of, of spins on that night. Yeah, and that's the thing is that once you're past a certain point, it doesn't really matter. No, and we're both way past that point. I mean, you might can make an argument for somewhere before mm-hmm. the line, you know, before where we're at, but, like, once you have all of the houses, you don't need... You don't really need more money for anything, so it doesn't really matter what you get on the spins. Yeah, once uh, as long as you're keeping above water, where you're able to tune your cars. I've got like four million in the bank right now. I think two or three, so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah, the only thing is, yeah, buying very specific cars, but yeah, right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah. It's just fuck, fuck these guys. I mean, fuck I mean, EA. fuck Apex yeah, I mean, Legends. It is EA so uh, they were voted the most uh, uh, evil company in America two years running. So for good reason. Yep, those guys are assholes. I mean, I'm, and that I think that's what also gets me. Okay, 170 for a, a cosmetic, not unheard of in the games I've played. But also, this is first party. This is a you know, third party uh, you know, selling it. That's the other thing, you know? Because I used to yeah. play Team Fortress 2, and some of the uh, cosmetics did get ridiculous. And then some of them went ludicrous. But this is 
first party. This is you know, straight from the developer. I mean, just think gaming-wise what you could do with $170. All the games you could can play. get all the games on Steam during a sale, or several, even when not on a sale. Well, or if you want to uh, think of it this way, that's a year of Game Pass. Yeah. Or thereabouts, depending on you know, when they bump up the price. I mean, even if they bump it to 10 bucks a month, that's more yeah, than a year of Game yeah, Pass. Yeah, true. Well, I was thinking also tax, you know, because it's 10 yeah. and some change. But, you know, a year of Game Pass and then, you know, a bunch of indie games or uh, a, uh, a single AAA. Just, phew. But that's the thing is, once again, we're back to where we were uh, talking before, where uh, looking at this as a value judgment. Where, you know, the people that are addicted to it, they uh, see it as just little bites here and there and not seeing it as the whole. And that's the also the other insidious thing about how they set this up is that it wasn't, okay, 170 bucks for the pass. No, it was 24 transactions, then a 25th to break it up over that course. Sort of like the guy that realized that he spent over $20,000 in FIFA over the course of two or three years. Yeah, to some extent, I kind of understand that because it's like, well, if you think about all the money you've spent over the years Mm -hmm. on your hobby, be it gaming or whatever, it's like, yeah, your costs get really high. Yeah, I hate to think what I have in the kitchen right now. (laughs) And sort of the uh, the potential idea of like the sunk cost fallacy or, or something like that can kick in, but you know, to a certain extent, some of that is to be expected and healthy. Like you spend time and invest into your hobby, but, uh, you know, a hundred, I just can't imagine spending $170 on microtransactions, air quotes, microtransactions to get a specific cosmetic item. And that's the, also the other thing is it's not, you're not even buying it straight up. You're spending it on the coins to get the item. So there's a middle road as well. Yeah. Honestly, I think I could understand straight up buying it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like, it still seems ludicrous to me, but, you know, the way that I value money is different than how someone else might value money based on, you know, socioeconomic status, yada, yada. Fine. But if it's like one Either, transaction. Uh, Uncle Scrooge. <laughs> even if it's one transaction, though, like, to me, that makes a little more sense, honestly. Because it's like, I really want this thing. This is what it costs. I'm willing to just, you know, purchase it up front. But it, that doesn't have any of the psychological bullshit or fuckery, and a lot fewer people would go in on that. I'm sure there would be some people anyways who did that. And that's fine. But a lot less people, because they wouldn't be getting sort of suckered in. Or psychologically manipulated in. Yeah, it's just... Oh, the games industry, right? Yeah. Um, but Todd's our turn. They suck. Potentially. Yeah, good segue into our next news topic, which is don't expect Yakuza Online in the West due to gotcha mechanics. So the Japanese developer of Yakuza Online, which is from the looks of it, just on the uh, uh, trailer, because I don't speak Japanese, so I don't understand a lick of it. I said, uh, it's a, looks like almost a visual novel, just focusing on the actual gameplay, uh, with a, uh, gotcha mechanic on some sort of 
battle mode, potentially. Or, yeah, some sort of combination thereof. Said that they're not porting mm-hmm. the game to the West because of the... Well, let's just read verbatim, all right? So, in an interview, right. he answered with the following quote when asked about Yakuza Online. The reason for this game... Uh, 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 sorry, for this that is that the game design is based strongly on Japanese market and players, the producer said. So, the game is mainly relies on gacha mechanics... And if you look at the Western uh, uh, mobile gamers, they probably demand other mechanics as well to enjoy the game. He would like to go on to say, it's not possible to bring it as it is with just localization to the West. But if we do decide to bring it to the Western world, there would need to be some additional development and game design to make it fit for Western users. And I'm, I could take that in two ways. One, that there's enough outcry about gotcha mechanics, but also he's looking at the leading mobile games and potentially saying, well, there's not a stamina mechanic. You know, there's not 20 different currencies. So I, I, maybe I'm being a little bit optimistic in saying, you know, maybe the tides are turning, but at the same time, you know, give me this, right? <laughs> Please. Yeah. I think it's interesting, you know, whatever their reason is, that they're not bringing it, at least initially, not porting it to the West. And there's, I mean, there are a bunch of different ways to look at it, but all of them are interesting. And kind of broadly break down to either we don't want to put in the work, or we're afraid of what the response is going to be. But I like to think that it's more in that second category. Like, I like to think that all of the noise that's being made Mm -hmm. by gamers and then you know governments taking interest around the world and looking into these things i think that they're they're worried they don't want to have to deal with regulation so at this point they're just like you know what it's just easier if we don't and i like that i like the idea of game developers being scared <laughs> triple well, well, not triple a I don't know. Yakuza is not exactly a triple A game. Yeah, but I would say that, is it? I would Does say they're. I would say they're in the upper tier of double A. I mean, they are published by Sega, so or at least uh, the PC version of the game is, if I recall correctly. Let me just go double check that real quick. And Yakuza Zero, just for the hell of it. Uh, yeah. Well, it published and developed by Sega. So, yo. Know, uh, depending on how you view Sega these days, but this is, uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I think it's open to interpretation. Either they're scared of what's going on in the West and that, uh, Eastern, uh, the Eastern market is more accepting of Gachapon, which is what Gacha is, uh, short for. Or they think that, okay, well, it's not exploitative enough for the West. Hmm. I'm I'm going to be a little bit optimistic here that there's enough noise that they're not sure you know if it would uh, be accepted here. But also you know you got to look at the mobile market and see all the shit at the top, right? Yeah, I feel like gotcha mechanics are extremely exploitative though. Yeah. Right, that point uh zero one percent chance of a shiny or legendary or whatever. Yep. 
chasing that. Well, the problem also is that they're usually tied to a secondary time mechanic or secondary premium mechanic that uh, makes it even worse. So, but I mean, if you look at the top uh, games on uh, Google Play, because you know I'm an Android user. Candy Crush Saga is top grossing right now, followed by Pokemon Go and Coin Master. Well, I don't know what Coin Master is, well, but fuck Candy Well, Crush. let's just put it this way. One of the screenshots is of the slot machine, literally. Uh, Yay, gambling. I mean, it doesn't really say a lot what it is. It's just, uh, you know, it's popular. Uh, let's see, Homescapes, which is one of those bullshit uh, puzzle games that uh, you've seen uh, the mobile ads, right? Where it's you know uh, use obscure item or everybody dies. Yeah, I've seen. With a mastery mechanic. Then literally a slot machine. Slotomania. (laughs) Then a match three that's actually uh, somewhat decent, but it has a lot of timers on that. I played that one. And hey, Tomb Blast! <laughs> oh. The game Ryan Reynolds pretends to love so much in those ads. I, I haven't actually but seen that. But it's Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I haven't seen those ads. I mean, they're they're mildly amusing. Ryan Reynolds is a very funny and attractive man, and he makes those otherwise shitty ads at least mildly interesting. Now, only if he did them in character, right? <laughs> yes. Did he do one? I, I think I might have seen a Deadpool one. Or uh, Pool Dead or something, right? You're totally not Deadpool, right? Yeah. No, actually, it doesn't look like he did one. Hey, but on the plus side, it looks like uh, uh, Spider-Man's about to lose his Uncle Ben again. Yay. Because the whole dispute between Disney and Marvel, unless that's been resolved since the last time I looked. Oh, I... It was still ongoing last time I checked. Let's just assume they're going to reboot Spider-Man again, because why not, right? Yeah. I don't, uh... I don't know what they're going to do with that. don't want to get too far off into that but <laughs> man I Sony can do whatever they want but I think it's a big mistake to take Spider-Man out of the MCU I mean they feel like they're negotiating from a, a point of strength but uh, it's fucking Disney man mouse gets what the mouse wants maybe uh, Disney will just buy Sony honestly I'm waiting for it to happen <laughs> Yeah, only problem is then you're not going to see the PlayStation anymore because Disney, you know, absolutely hates gaming for some reason. Or, or yeah. are just fucking incompetent with it. I'm sure there's a, you know, a dev studio under Disney under some subsidiary that's actually good. I haven't actually looked at the, the global web of the House of Mouse lately, but they've been incompetent on handling gaming. So, yeah. Yeah. So I can't find a Deadpool Tomb Blast commercial. Though it looks like Ryan has done quite a few more of these than I realized. 
but I'm sad that there's not one with Deadpool. I suppose getting the rights to do that is ridiculous. Especially now. Imagine if, you know, back when Ryan Reynolds uh, leaked the Deadpool uh, test shot, right? It would have been a lot easier. Maybe we should thank Ryan Reynolds for, you know, bringing uh, Deadpool. (laughs) I mean, I thank God for Ryan Reynolds every day, just like I do for Jim Sterling. (laughs) Every day. Those two. And, yeah, and I, I didn't realize Gaben was uh, Jim Sterling's father. Huh? Yeah. I mean, they, they're both fat, so, you know. Well, uh, you know, J- Jim Sterling Star- obviously uh, takes after the mother, whoever that is, because he didn't get the beard. <laughs> Immaculate conception. I don't know. I've seen some of Jim Sterling's stuff, and, uh, you know, he's definitely not clean. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, and we're way off the beaten path now. We are. So let's head on over towards the ending couple of portions of the show. Um, community Corner this week. We did not have any emails. Do we have any tweets or anything? Uh, not that I saw, so. Okay. So Monday, or Community Game Night. Um this upcoming is going to be Sea of Thieves. I need to... I've, I found out for sure. We're supposed to be at my parents' house next Monday night, which is uh, Labor Day in the States, national holiday. Trying to get one more uh, day of swimmies in before the season ends. So, going to push the whole list down just by one. So, next week, no official community game night. Then on September... Ninth, we will be playing Sea of Thieves, which is on the Xbox PC Games Pass thingy. Yeah, we've been getting uh, mileage not, out of that. There's not a lot that you really need to do if you want to get started. Um, I would, you know, install it obviously, and then I would say check it out, um, play for just a little bit, do the character creation, and then kind of uh, get a feel for things. But I mean, none of us are going to be expert sailors or pirates or whatever so i don't worry i'll blast the pirate metal the entire time (laughs) i don't think you need to feel compelled to to like become good at the game or anything like that just play it long enough to get a a feel for the mechanics and then uh we'll be good obviously if you enjoy it you can play more than that i'm not your dad you're an adult live your own life and get on my fucking lawn live your best life so See you in two weeks for that. Um, looking at the clock and how long our recording has been going, I would propose to skip uh, Discovery Queue this week. All right. Well, I had an interesting am, one, but I can save that for next time, hopefully. I'm I'm running on fumes. And here I thought you were running on caffeine. And there have been a few a few mutes for coughs and a few for yawns. Oh, I'm glad that's all, I'm the also, only bodily functions that you had to deal with. <laughs> I'm also starting to get distracted easily. That's my equivalent, <laughs> I think, of a punch drunk. <laughs> so let's scoot it on over to the actual end of the show where I can say, hey, Rage, hit it with the socials. Well, I've been Caffeine Rage. You can find me on the YouTubes, Gaming with Caffeine Rage. You can find me on Twitter, Gaming with CR. Maybe someday you'll find me on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash caffeine underscore rage. And if you wish to be my friend on Steam, you can find me over there. Hey, how about that? Caffeine rage as well. It's almost like it's a unified thing or something. 
And you've Almost. been? I have been Gaming Psychologist. You can find me over on YouTube by searching for Gaming Psychologist. On Twitter, at JMA4707. And if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can do so by sending your friend request to JR3407. I have no brand uniformity, but hey, that's okay. Yeah, but you also have a password for this week. It's befuddled. That's a good word. Befuddled. Also known as what I felt whenever I was looking at the game design for uh, Void Bastards. Befuddled. <laughs> Fair enough. <clears throat> as I clear my throat for the ending spiel. Unfortunately, I don't have a mute, so I gotta trust Jared to be lazy and not do anything about that. You can find us Obviously on not. YouTube. Or sorry, uh, you can find us over at vglpodcast.pondbead.com which hosts the RSS feed, show notes, and links to all our stuff. If you wish to contact us, you can find us vglpodcast at gmail.com uh, dot com. My voice is go- going out. What can I say? With your letters, voicemails, gaming-related topics, or just tweet them to us at vglpodcast. Our lovely, lovely patrons have made all this absolute madness possible. You can find out more at patreon.com slash vglpodcast. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod. You can find his work at incomputech.com and... As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. Bye-bye now. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>